Hi, I'm Dr. Olga Pinkston, a board-certified rheumatologist and the host of the Mind Your Fiber podcast. This podcast is dedicated to fibromyalgia. I discuss up-to-date information about fibro, its treatment, the biology and psychology of the fibromyalgia. I cover the pain science education, the complementary and alternative methods available to you now to improve your symptoms. There are a lot of things that influence development of fibromyalgia trigger fiber flares, and produce other symptoms like IBS or irritable bowel syndrome, depression, and anxiety, and none of them are your fault. In the Mind Your Fiber podcast, you will learn how and why fiber develops, how chronic pain changes your brain, and most importantly, that you're not alone in the struggle, that fiber is real, and how to not let fiber control your life. This podcast provides information only and does not provide any medical or psychological services or advice. Welcome back to Mind Your Fiber Podcast, episode 21. Today we're talking more about nutrition and eating habits. In this day and age, it seems like everyone is on a diet. You can't get to the grocery checkout without seeing 20 different magazines with weight loss solutions, celebrity diets, or someone's before and after photos. But if you have a chronic pain condition like fibromyalgia, autoimmune disease, depression, anxiety, or history of trauma, or anything that activates or dysregulates your nervous system, diet is not an answer. Diet may be yet another trigger that activates your fight or flight response or the sympathetic nervous system. And our goal is to calm your nervous system down, reduce dysregulation, and stress and promote healing. So the diet culture and diet mentality needs to go. What are the examples of diet culture? Diets promote not listening to your body and eating with a goal of not nourishing it, but producing results, typically a weight loss. Diets are notorious for labeling foods as good or bad. You are feeling guilt, shame for eating off your diet plan feeling unworthy due to body size or your medical condition, thus trying to fix it by using an external set of rules. If you ever tried earning food following a workout, I worked out this morning so I deserve this bagel or donut, this is an example of diet culture. Suppressing your appetite with caffeine, diet soda, smoking, water, and counting calories, points, allowances, waiting for cheat days, and not listening to your body about how different foods align with your body and health, or going too deep and giving a lot of power to the food. I eat this morsel of a cookie, no wonder I'm in a fiber flare. Diets are simple. They are often black and white. Eat this, not that. But they do not address emotions, stress, chronic pain or illness, painful flares, relentless fatigue, and diversity of cultures and beliefs. So when you force the food choices on yourself to lose weight, eliminate trigger foods, label foods, etc., you are focusing on the outcome from a place of negativity and fail to recognize the complex and multifactorial nature of health and well-being. So what is the alternative? What should a patient do if she wants to lose weight, avoid foods that may cause disease, and still keep her sanity? I don't think I have the answer that will work for everyone. But this is how I think about nutrition and eating. I have battled with weight all my adult life, and although I love mind and thought work, as I have my educational roots in engineering, math, and medicine, I like to have a systematic approach to whatever I'm doing. 
so I like to break down problems into logical, doable sections that can be tackled using the power of knowledge while acknowledging that we are humans with human brains and emotions. I also like to think of the root cause of our problems, like weight gain and obesity. It may be a different reason for many people, so forcing the same diet will not work on everyone, and the outcome will be different. So I teach a five-step solution that I adopted from many sources. I don't claim that this is my original idea, but separating the approach to eating into these steps lets me think of tackling the problems more effectively and I need structure. So the steps of my program are remove, replace, repair, remain, and relax. Step number one is to remove. Remove foods that you do not want in your diet. Replace them with nutrition. Repair digestion, gut health. Remain committed to this lifestyle change and relax. Work on sleep and relaxation. Calm your dysregulated nervous system. Today I will talk about step one, remove. Unfortunately, we live in a day and age when our daily foods are comprised of many chemicals known to cause harm. Some substances are known triggers of inflammation. Some are even carcinogens, chemicals known to cause cancer. And some may contribute to heart disease or other conditions. So artificial colors and flavors that, for example, are banned in other countries like the UK are still allowed in the US will be an example of these substances. I would not even consider most of these substances as food, so labeling them as bad is okay in my book. If it's man-made, added to food to enhance flavor or shelf life, I'm okay with labeling it as harmful. If you cannot pronounce it, if the food item has 20 ingredients and you can only identify three of them as food, I'm okay with labeling it as bad and removing it from my diet. So removing highly processed foods. We read about it everywhere. Take out the processed foods. But what is it? Dietitians separate foods into groups. Group one is minimally processed and unprocessed foods that are all vegetables, fruits, grains, beans, nuts, meat, eggs, and milk, nature-made ingredients. These foods may have gone through roasting, boiling, or pasteurization to increase shelf life or to make them safe to eat, but they are not manipulated beyond that. Group 2 foods are processed culinary ingredients obtained directly from group 1 foods or from nature. This can include foods such as olive oil made from olives from group 1, maple syrup, honey, and salt. Group 2 foods are mainly used to prepare and cook group 1 foods. Now, group 3 are processed foods, including items made by adding ingredients like salt, sugar, and other substances from group 2 to group 1 foods. Examples include whole grain bread, fruit in syrup, bacon and cheese. So if you followed the recipe and used unprocessed foods from group one, vegetables, meat, and added salt and pasta, you made a processed food, spaghetti. Now group four is ultra processed foods. These contain little, if any, of the foods or ingredients from group one, unprocessed foods. These items are meant to be convenient, highly rewarding to your brain, and low cost, and typically high in sugars, refined grains, and flour, fats, preservatives, and salt. Flour is typically white, fine, and bleached. These foods are not natural. They contain nothing fresh, and the label is a mile long and full of chemicals that we cannot pronounce. 
So these foods we are told to avoid when we're talking about processed foods. Soft drinks or soda, slushies, chips, McDonald's fries, and most fast foods. Foods that you can get from a gas station or convenience store that's in a package, Snickers bar or most candy bars, most breakfast cereals, lunch meats, etc. Again, if you cannot read the ingredient, it is likely not something you want to eat. If the food has more than five ingredients and is in a package, chances are this is highly processed food. Another ingredient I want you to pay attention to and remove from your diet in excessive amounts is sugar. Again, sugar is a refined processed food. It is not found in nature. It is man-made. I do not want to label sugar as bad or good because sugar by itself is totally neutral. It is not bad or good. Sugar is sugar. I think it is not the sugar, but usually the amount of sugar that is often the problem. Now, I devoted the entire episode on sugar. Please look for it in the prior episodes, and I will also link to it in the show notes. So why do I think removing these highly processed foods is good for you? Here's an analogy I teach to my patients. It is spring, and many of us are planting to grow something in our gardens. Say you're planting a tomato bush. You carefully prepared the ground, got the best soil, nutrient-rich dirt with some compost, found the sunny spot, you have plenty of water, you brought a healthy tomato plant from the garden supply store or nursery, you planted the tomato plant, and it looks great. You water it daily remove weeds, and shoo away the pesky rabbits. But once per week, you go to the garden and put a cup full of pesticides, say we be gone or something like that, to the ground next to the plant. And it damages the plant. So you're doing everything right. The sun, the water, the, the perfect soil. But the tomato plant is not doing so well. Because every now and then, you put some harmful chemicals on it. Now, it may not kill the plant. Your tomato may survive and even blossom and produce the tomatoes, but the quality will not be the same. The plant's potential was altered. Your efforts of doing all the right things did not produce the result of a healthy plant because the harmful substances reduced the benefits of all the other good nurturing behaviors. So look at your eating habits. Do you focus on eating and nourishing your body? Do you consume foods that are highly processed? Do you treat your plants or pets or family or children better than you treat your health? Do you water yourself with water or do you drink soda or diet soda or artificial sugars? Do you eat well all week and binge eat or overdrink alcohol during the weekend? Now, I want you to look at your choices with kindness and grace, without judgment. You are working on the awareness that is essential before you can make a change. Start asking yourself questions with curiosity and love about your choices. Are they helping you, nourishing your body? Is the immediate gratification of eating off your plan worth it? Is it worth feeling guilty, ashamed, or being in pain? Again, ask yourself questions with curiosity and love, not judgment. I hope you found this helpful. So next episode, will cover the next step, the replace step where we will discuss adding more nutrition to your eating plan. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, the best thing you can do is to share with someone and leave a review and rating. This helps me support more people just like you move toward better life with fibromyalgia. All you have to do is to go to the platform you're listening on, 
click the share button or the icon and just send it to a friend. I so appreciate you taking your time to do so. Make sure you sign up or subscribe to this podcast so you can get the most up-to-date information in the new episodes. Thanks for joining me today, and I will see you next week. And don't forget to mind your fibro. Disclaimer, this podcast provides information only and does not provide any medical or psychological services or advice. None of the content on this podcast prevents, cures, or treats any medical or mental condition.